When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker-Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Today, I'm with Joe Belcastro, author of Dominature, What If the Devil Banished God from Heaven? Joe is a prolific writer. He lives in Tampa, Florida. His career escapades include journalism, covering the film industry and local nightlife scene, to becoming a syndicated film critic, to head writer and producer for WWE television programming, hunkering down in writers' rooms and traveling all over the world, executing storylines in major arenas. The dream job had arrived until... Something else was then awakening inside of him. And that's what we're going to hear about today. Joe, welcome. Hi there. Thank you for having me. So let's hear a little bit about where and when your passion for writing began. Do you remember? It probably was writing songs back in college. And I'll date myself. This is 20 years ago. And yeah, yeah, my friend, a very good friend of mine, still to this day, he asked me, hey, you want to play in my band? I go, Whose else is in it? He's like, just me. I'm like, okay, let's do it. (laughs) And so he kind of taught me the bass guitar and it wasn't anything complex. We were in a hard rock metal band. You only really needed two strings to play a bass guitar. You don't need all four of them. Uh But that's when I started kind of writing song lyrics and doing that. And I loved that. I absolutely loved doing that. I still doodle that on plane rides and stuff like that. But I think that's where it started. And then shortly thereafter, I got a journalism gig and it wasn't a full-time thing by any means. It's just some site, you know, and the dot-com sites were rising and citizen journalism was kind of becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. And I took this chance just to write about movies, kind of like an op-ed, just my thoughts on things. And yeah, it was very entertaining and colorful, but also very immature when I look back on any of them. I was just like, <laughs> I was just, you know, somebody in my 20s shouting my right. mouth off like people do today all over, you know, social media. Yeah. yeah. So that's where it's kind of all started. Cool. And so as you had hit risen through the ranks in a way, but oh, risen, maybe it would be a better way to say it would be uh, as you journeyed through this career shifts, then we get to this point where you've got your dream job. And tell us a little bit about what that was like as you started to experience this other thing, dominature, awakening <laughs> inside of you. Yeah. What was the experience like? Well, with WWE, that's the dream job you're alluding to. That that was always it. And in college, I was obsessed with how the programming changed, where it became more storyline driven, not just about the fights in the ring, the matches in the ring. Mm-hmm. And so that was always 
priority number one. And I knocked on the door for years and couldn't get anywhere. And then eventually, you know, things happen to you when you're ready, I feel in life. And they came after me and I was not as uh, into it as I was probably back when it happened. So it's happened, you know, now nine, 10 years ago. And I jumped right on it and I couldn't have been happier. It gave me best time of my life thus far. And you know, I remember everybody, my, my family, my friends, like they're like, you're set, you're there. And I, <laughs> I go, yeah, I am. And I was, and I, there was nothing negative about the experience. It's just something when that idea, I just was creatively thinking about it a lot about, you know, I always want this epic God versus the devil battle. Mm-hmm. I love those movies that tackle that mythology. I love those stories. But I never felt like anybody did like, yeah, let's bring God and the devil in like this epic fantasy type style. And so I created my own version of a God character, my own version of a devil, although they are kind of familiar as you get into the book. All right. But once I switched the dynamic, that's when it all just came flowing to me. And within pretty sure it was a weekend, I had the whole story outlined and then I you know walked away from it for a little bit, came back to it. And then I still surprised myself and put in my notice that I was leaving WWE. And I'm over two years removed from that. And people are still can't believe I did it. And and I can't, sometimes I can't believe I did it, but uh, I have no regrets. And I'm so glad I'm doing what I'm doing now with Dominatrix. Yeah. It really gave you the time that you needed. Sounds like. Yeah. Pursue it in full. Yeah. You do need that time. You can't. I feel for all these people that tackle so many shows and, you know, I have people in the, in the television industry that I know and film industry. And it's just, man, you get stretched and you can't focus. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. If I'm giving up a dream career that gave me my dream lifestyle. I got to make sure I go all in and I got to kind of rekindle that uh, hustle that I had when I was doing before WD, you know, the journalism stuff and all that. And, yeah scraping by like so I, I tried to recreate that believe it or not and uh, some people say i'm a masochist but <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it helps i mean long way to go still even though i yeah. got somewhere with it and i still have some ways to go to make sure i can keep doing this yeah and so what's the aspiration in terms of moving forward i know that you are you write prolifically so i'm, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about your process sure. and stuff but what are you thinking about in terms of or what do you see going forward for yourself? I would love to dominate your, what the devil banished God from heaven was going to be just one story, one book. Mm-hmm. And I, I briefly toyed with maybe just writing a television series and using those connections that I have. It would have been a lot faster, right? To get yeah. it adapted. Because my, my ultimate goal, and I'm a fan of this, I just want to see the story come to life because I've never seen anything like it on TV or movies or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. But now, you know, second book, I was like, okay, I know what I want to do with the second book. And I actually completed the second book. I'm just kind of sitting on that for the moment. Mm-hmm. And then there's a third and I know how it ends. And that's something I, you know, everybody who writes in a professional manner, you have to know where you're going with the story. And right. I always had the ending, the grand uh-huh. ending, if you will. Uh-huh. And so I don't feel I'm forcing it because I'm not a big fan of, you know, when I watch television shows that overstay their welcome for a few more seasons than they should have. <laughs> yeah. And I was like that with WWE in my storytelling with our mm-hmm. respective shows, I was, we always knew when to get out, as we used to yeah. say. 
And that's something I still am able to apply, I think. So basically, it's a long way to answer your question. Three books. And then I want to just be able to hang my hat on that and, you know, you know, basically make the living Uh off the books. I know it's going to take some time, but yes, the dream, the pie in the sky is, uh, see this brought to life by somebody. And obviously I would like to be involved in it, but I also would love to see somebody just give their vision. I'm not a, not a control freak about anything. Uh I'm very into the collaborative thing because I've been in writer's rooms. Right. So that's the ultimate goal. I want to see that happen. Yeah, this, um, you bringing that up reminds me of of a podcast episode we did recently where we were talking about that the additional palettes that are brought into the collaborative process and the the Mm -hmm. great benefits of that. Yeah. What's your writing process like? I mean, do you have a dedicated writing time and you sit down and write no matter what during uh, that time frame? Or how does it work for you? I have a discipline and I, I can, I think I, I carried that over from WWE because WWE, just for those that don't know, it's live every week. We're going on the air live 52 weeks a year. <laughs> yeah, There's no off season. There's no time to recalibrate. So you learn to kind of process a story, get it down from, you know, blank page to the final script before you go on the air. Sometimes that happens a couple of days before and you're set and you're just kind of rehearsing. Other days you're right, right up to the minute mm-hmm. where the show goes live. But I didn't take a lot of time. And I've said this kind of in other interviews, but I think it's really important that when I stopped WWE, I only took like seven or eight days. And then I just kept writing again. I started chapter one because I knew the story. I just had to start putting the chapters together. Right. And so I got in this rhythm, like, let's just get a thousand words a day, minimum, mm-hmm. for the most part. Some days, you know, there's a day where you don't do anything. Those mm-hmm. happen, but usually a thousand words a day. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's awful, but you can always fix that. Right. Yeah. But that was a goal, minimum a thousand words. And I never really had to force that. Uh, it kind of just came naturally. And sometimes, you know, there's days where you hit 3000 and you're like, whoa. You don't even know you do it. But then there's other days where maybe you only got to seven or 800. Mm-hmm. And since I didn't have a deadline, I didn't have agents breathing down my neck or anything right. like that saying, get this done. Yeah. So, but I, I did want to keep kind of that work ethic I instilled that was instilled in me at WWE mm-hmm. and just bring that to my writing process for Dominature. And that, I mean, that's how I was able to finish the second book um, already. Yeah. And I, I don't feel I'm rushing. I'm very harsh on myself. I don't believe it. Like, you know, once you have something, you can play with it for 10 to 12 years. I know some great authors have done that to their yeah. success. Yeah. Uh, it's just not me. Cause I think you can mm-hmm. do that with a song. You can, you can mess with a song for ever, but only you know <laughs> what you want. There's nine, there's probably 10 ways to do something and nine of them are fine. Yeah. Uh, eight right. or nine of them. Yeah. When you head into your writing process, you have already mapped out what each chapter is is essentially like you've got it outlined yes there's uh, there's very little i mean one of my favorite characters i will admit this came in the favorite characters in dominature the first book when we're talking about yeah that came during the writing process i did not have this particular character in mind when i was going through but i got to this chapter before and then they like oh i need like some somebody else here to help tell some other stories or side stories and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that person became my favorite character in the uh, book. So that, that cool. surprised me a little, little bit, but for the most part, I didn't 
tweak much. I didn't, mm-hmm. there's always some things you pull away or something that, yeah. you know, the character thing, but not, I pretty much go with what I have. And mm-hmm. maybe at the editing process is where I would pull something away or say, all right, I don't need this. It's just filler, something like that. Yeah. Do you feel like your characters speak to you? Do you have that experience of like they're telling you what you need to write or that they're speaking through you mm-hmm. or anything? I don't. So my cousin asked me a question. She started reading it. She got about maybe halfway through so far. And she goes, I think this person's you. And my response was <laughs> like, uh, I think every character is some of me. And then every character is absolutely none of me. Yeah. So that's kind of how I framed it. And probably just also protected myself because I do take <laughs> I do take some shots at people or groups. I do have some strong opinions, but sometimes that is really just sometimes that's what you have the character to be. I had to study about right. one character that I didn't really fully understand. I knew what they were, but yeah. I didn't know like how would this person react to something like this and how far would they take it. And so yeah. I had to watch somebody in real life through like news stations and stuff like that and kind of get a sense of how this person would react to something that's going on. Hmm. Interesting. Is there a message, an overall message that you would like, that you're hoping that your readers pick up and take away from this story, from this book, this first one? I wrote it basically just to have a cool story with a different dynamic that I don't think is out there. I'm not saying people did not write about God versus the devil in some form or fashion. Mm -hmm. Because trust me, I did a ton of searching to see if they might do like devil banishing God from heaven, any type of concept or that premise or gimmick, if you will, whatever you want to call it. And I didn't find it. So it was just mainly like, how do I tell a cool story? Yes, I get deep at certain points. There is some Uh biblical content to it Mm -hmm. and messaging here and there. But in one word, balance. Mm. I want people to examine like balance. Mm-hmm. And that gives you some perspective on just about anything, not so much yeah. what's going on in the story, but overall, if we just take the time and realize this whole world, at least in my experience, and like I've only been here, I haven't been here my whole life yet, so I don't know, but <laughs> I feel yeah. like that balance and perspective are, are key themes woven in, but it's also just me trying to have fun and tell of an epic story I, I say Lord of the Rings just because I think that's the greatest trilogy ever watched. And mm-hmm. I love the story that Tolkien created in the world. Yeah. And, you know, I, I see the themes in it, but overall, it's just fun to be around and explore. Right. And so that's kind of what I wish people, I hope people get that out of this. But yeah, I, they're obviously I'm doing a little bit of a social commentary about the states of the world. And the only thing I'll say is my research, because I traveled through a couple of time periods, we haven't really evolved that much. We are about, <laughs> we're not making leaps and bounds like everyone thinks we are. Maybe in technology, yeah. yes, but right, overall right. is how we think and how we right. use this stuff. Oh, no. yeah. We are just the same people. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a short pause and we'll be right back. Frustrated by the royalty rates for your audiobook, Annoyed that when the digital distributors say 70%, they actually mean 70% of 50% or 80% of 70%, neither of which is an actual 70%. Wishing there was a way to cut out or at least shrink the middleman. Yet, you want your audiobook listeners to have a smooth and positive experience and a direct download sale from your website won't deliver that. Pro Audio Voices hears you. 
Out of our commitment to our author clients, we've created Amplify, a program that provides an actual 65% royalties of the price you set, that gives you access to your customers' names and emails so you can reconnect with them, and keeps you in the driver's seat. Check it out at ProAudioVoices.com in the marketing menu. And we're back. Let's sort of jump into another area, uh, and that is the audiobook production side of things. So first of all, like you were able to listen to several auditions. What were the qualities of the audition that led you to choose John Waters to narrate? Yeah, everybody was solid. And I was very impressed because I didn't know how I look if I'm doing this, I put on my showrunner hat and I said, here's what I want. And I was very specific. I'm like, am I getting too specific when I'm you know passing along the notes to the audition and the casting and all that? And so there's a variety of characters, right? And I know some of my divine characters, they speak in a different syntax than mm-hmm. what we're used to. So I didn't know what I was expecting. But then when I got all these back and everyone had a different style, I was like, yeah. okay. This voice acting is amazing. And so it was tough, but John just was very, it felt like he was actually into the story when he was reading his stuff. He was instantly into the characters without knowing much. And that was even before he and I spoke. Yeah. And so then when we did speak, I knew he, I was pretty confident that he was going to nail this. And his narration, that stands out to me now that I've listened to it. Uh, all the way through and given notes and stuff like that, his narration was so good. Yeah. I mean, very, very good. And the fact that I told him to do it in a different accent than yeah. what he normally is, and he did it. Yeah. And he was able to switch out so much because I do have a lot of dialogue in my book. Right. I was impressed. And, yeah. um, and that's also you know, my first audio book I've ever listened to. We need to hear more about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But John, but John, I can't, I can't thank him enough. I mean, sometimes it, it, you have a voice in your head, yeah. and then I told John, like, hey, look, I know I have a ton of characters. These are the ones I'm maybe a little particular about, but I also said go with what you feel. And you also have to be aware, like, he's trying to do a different voice for everybody, right? And but the point is, it's just yeah. The point is, you want an audiobook because the reason I got the idea of the audiobook is because I've been on this book tour, and when I'm at these book festivals or comic cons people have asked, like, is there an audiobook? And enough people have asked. Or I was like, you know what? I should probably have one. Yeah. Ideally, if I look back, I wish I had, you know, a launch, a better launch plan of doing it all at once, you know, ebook, paperback, and audio. But then I was like, oh, maybe the audio is another jolt of life. Yeah. No one will find out. So yeah. I was like, I don't mind doing it. You know, this, it'd be probably come out, what, nine, 10 months after I released the book. So I was like, oh, maybe that's a, another shot in the arm and I need it anyway. Yeah. yeah. So uh, like, I, I think we're going to get to it, but I was a different experience listening to your own story read back to you with yeah. voices, but, but John did great. Yeah. I'd love to hear any more about that. What that first experience, because, you know, so many the folks that I'm talking to are, they've been listening to audiobooks for a while, you know, so there's, but now you have that experience where the first one, first audiobook you've listened to was your own. <laughs> So, yeah, that's kind of special, <laughs> and and scary. Uh, it was, and not because I didn't, again, not that I thought John was going to do a bad job or anything like that. Yeah. It's just I was like, oh my gosh, you read your story a bunch of times and you're too close to it, and then you can step away from it. 
but when you hear it and it was just, oh, am I going to realize that this isn't as good as I, as I felt it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they always sit and I'm fully fine admitting this. They always say, if you want to find all the typos in your book, publish your book. <laughs> and yep. so when John, you know, John was reading a couple of words, I was like, wait a minute. And I was like, oh my God, how did I, there's that typo and he's reading it this way. I was like, uh, thank God I caught it. Cause you know, I'm a big uh, believer in 143,000 words. If I only had, let's just say 10 typos and 143,000 words, I'm fine with that. Cause uh-huh. it's not like, you know, everything else yeah. is okay. And, yeah. yeah. but yeah, listening to it, the only thing I was like, am I, am I as funny as I think I am? <laughs> That's the only <laughs> thing. The, the, the parts of humor, I was like, I don't know, this doesn't, maybe other people think it's funny. I'm like, I don't know if I think that's funny anymore. So that's the only thing that kind of rattled me. I don't know if rattled the world, but that yeah. got me a little bit. But other than that, listening to it, I enjoyed it. I, not my own story, uh, but just enjoying the experience of the audiobook. Mm-hmm. I, I was having a blast, actually. I flew right through it. And yeah. I was, I'm thinking to myself, why have I been doing this all along? This is, this is lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I will say, you know, the thing about the typos is we almost always in when we're recording audio, we almost always find typos, regardless of like yeah. whether it's been done by some, you know, super well-known press or indie authors. You know, it's we're all human <laughs> you know, looking for the errors and uh, and in the proofing. So, yeah, they yeah. happen. Yeah. Tell me about, like, what about the process of producing these audiobook stands out to you? I believe his name was Carlos, mm-hmm. who's the engineer. Yeah. And he was very, I mean, I think the program did a lot, but he was very aware of, like, check this, check that. Like, he was on top of it. He felt like a, a music producer where the band recorded their stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> he went through it and he was like, well, this is my name too. It didn't feel like it was just a process of, all right, this guy wants an audio book. Let's just get it done and make sure it sounds clean, right? Yeah. No, they were making sure like, do you like this? Do you like that? Yeah. In addition to what my review, I was like, wow. I was just very pleased with that. And, you know, this is my first experience. So I was like, it's a great experience. Now the bar is set to here yeah. Yeah. with, you know, using pro audio voices. And so I was very happy that, that was the case. And then my notes, you know, cause I'm going to say what I want to say. It is, mm-hmm. it is my name on it in the end. Yeah. And all were taken care of real quick. And I didn't have to, I never had to say anything twice. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. one conversation back and forth and it was done. And so like the producing production, all that was phenomenal. Really. I yeah. have no complaints at all. Oh, great. Great. Yeah, actually, Carlos does have a background in music producing as as well. So ah, that's, see, uh, that's it, interesting it, you picked that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Well, how can our listeners find out more about you and your work? What website would you send them to? Well, I would actually send them to, I'm trying to build up my social media because I didn't have to have social media during my WWE days. I got to just sit in the background and put my work out there. Now I need social media because you have to connect with the world when you're an author. So yeah. my Instagram and Twitter is at Dominature Novel. And that will take you to a link where you can see 
where all the books are sold, where this audiobook um, will be available when we release it coming up. And anything about me is just where I'm going to be going on the rest of the book tour, stuff like that. So that's the best place, my Instagram and Twitter. Okay. And that can take you to anywhere else. Okay. Great. Great. All right. Again, this is Joe Belcastro, author of Dominature, What If the Devil Banished God from Heaven? Thank you so much for being with me today. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.